21st century. I want to preach tonight as a sermon I've entitled a recipe for victory. Amen. As I was reading in the word of God, uh, came across this portion of scripture and I began to begin to jump out at me. I began to meditate on that and God began to give me some insight. And I want to preach uh, on this thought of a recipe for victory out of Hebrews chapter 4. And the first two verses in the chapter is what I want to use this evening in the word of God. You read along with us this evening. It says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Amen. I want to read it to you again in the Good News Bible Translation. It says, Now, God has offered us the promise that we may receive that rest he spoke about. Let us take care, then, that none of you will be found to have failed to receive that promised rest. For we have heard the good news, just as they did. They heard the message but it did no good because when they heard it, they did not accept it with faith. Amen. The Bible is speaking to you and I tonight. And it is speaking about a life of victory. And I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to be a loser in life. Amen. I don't like losing. No one likes losing. We want to win. And the Bible is giving you and I a recipe for a life that is victorious. Amen. The Bible is a book that instructs us in the way of victory. Our God has never lost the battle. He will never, he's going to win the battle of eternity. And so he is a winner. And therefore he is very apt to teach you and I how to win in life. <clears throat> and the Bible uses many different uh, ways of teaching you and I, many different examples. Um, our scripture, and the word that leapt out at me as I'm reading this, was the word mixed. The mixture. So I want to focus in on that thought tonight uh, as we talk about a recipe. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm not trying to make you hungry tonight with the picture, but uh, amen, that's, that's a recipe. The word mix or mixture means a combination or a blend of different elements, kinds, qualities, etc. Chemistry, it means physics, chemistry and physics is an aggregate of two or more substances that are not chemically united and that exist in no fixed proportion to one another. It goes on for another example, a fabric woven of yarns combining various colors. It goes on to say that the act of mixing or the state of being mixed is speaking about adding in an element or ingredient. So we get the understanding that a recipe contains different ingredients. Amen. And uh, over the passage of time, people have figured out what ingredients it takes to make a good meal. You know, I often wonder, 
Don't you think you know we have cookbooks and stuff? But I mean, back in way back in the day, back in ancient times, there was no cookbooks, and people had to figure out how to make something that was edible. Amen. And so they begin to come up with these recipes that would produce meals that were edible and nutritious and that you could survive on. So now we can pick up a cookbook and we can go through the recipe. And if we follow the recipe, we will make an edible meal. Hallelujah. Praise God. But it will only be edible if we put in the proper ingredients in the proper proportion. I was remembering as I'm doing this, uh, the first time I made cookies. I was in junior high school. I saw my sister, they would bake cookies and had delicious cookies. I'm thinking, man, I can do that. So I get, uh, you know, the recipe out and I, I mix the stuff up uh, and I put it in and I put it in the oven. And, and my cookies didn't look like their cookies. My cookies were like a big flat wagon wheel, amen, and it was brittle as hard as a rock, and something went wrong in the recipe, amen, but it wasn't the recipe, it was me. See, if we don't do the right dynamics in the recipe, if we don't put in the right things in the right portion, we're not going to make something as edible. I have an article here that says this. If you repeatedly find that whatever you make doesn't look or taste anything like it should, despite having <clears throat> followed the recipe to a T, here are some reasons why. It goes on to say, you need to read <clears throat> the recipe first, I mean like actually read it. This is everyone's major problem, and I'm going to file it under patience. Recipes aren't fun to read, so I get it. But if you're going to rely on a recipe to make an impressive dinner or to bake something special, you have to read the recipe all the way through. Don't just skim through it. Read the whole thing. That means introductory sentences, if there are any, the ingredients list, and each step. It goes on to say, read it twice. If you aren't a seasoned cook, chances are, if you don't do this, you're going to miss something or forget to pick up a much-needed ingredient. And so we have the recipe, but he says the problem is we don't really read it, we don't really absorb it, and we kind of skim over it, and we wind up missing something. And the recipe, our, 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 our thought in the end is, that's a bad recipe. Though the recipe is fine, we just missed something in the ingredient list. Hallelujah. And so when I was looking this up, did a Google search, recipes, and the first five that came up were things that said, we, reasons why not to follow a recipe. Don't follow a recipe. Don't, the first five, don't follow a recipe. This is the rebellious nature of man. We don't want anyone telling us uh, how to make anything. We got it all figured out. When it, even when it comes to life, here's God in His Word. He's got a recipe for life. And man's response is, I don't need to read the recipe. I know how to make this. I know how to do this. We don't need a recipe. We've got it all figured out. But here's the problem. The book of Proverbs says this. There is a way which seems right to a man, but the end of this ways are death. 
The God's Word translation says this, there is a way that seems right to a person, but eventually it ends in death. Or you could, you could substitute the word disaster. So man thinks he knows the recipe for life, the recipe for happiness, the recipe for longevity. And we're not going to read the manual, the Word of God. We've got our own recipe, and it always ends up in a disaster. It never comes out like we thought. It never comes out, it never quite tastes like we thought it was going to taste. How many know sometimes life leaves a bad taste in our mouth? Because we've made our own recipe. This is the rebellious nature that you and I are born with. Jeremiah chapter 44, verses 16 and 17. These are the people talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah has just given them the recipe that God gave them, and this is their response. As for the word thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, Jeremiah, we will not hearken unto thee, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth from out of our mouth. We're going to make our recipe according to us, Jeremiah. Oh, I know what God told you to say. I know what the word of God's. I know God has a recipe. But Jeremiah, we've got our own recipe, man. We're going to make life according to us, and our ingredients. And the end of that result was disaster for the people of God. History is filled with that. Uh, a man rejecting God's recipe. And coming up with his own concoction. And it always blows up. Uh, in his face. He always makes a life that is not edible. A life that is not sustainable. A life that leaves a bad taste. In the mouth. Hallelujah. So what follows their life is disaster after disaster after disaster because they will not read the recipe of God. Amen. So we're going to have to make a decision about, amen, how we're going to conduct our lives. If we don't want to wind up with a life that tastes bad, we don't want to wind up with a life that is not palatable. A life that we don't desire to even partake of because of the bad taste and the bad circumstance and the bad outcomes of life. And many times people blame this on God. God, where are you? God, why is this going? God, and, and, and we never stop to be honest and say, you know what? I've never really read the recipe. To people, have you, did you read your Bible? Well, not really. Well, how are you going to make a life that is profitable, that is, that is palatable, that is desired to be lived if you don't read the recipe? Yet here's man and we refuse and says, we're not going to do what you said. We're going to make our own recipe. I can't imagine what it was like eating food, you know, back in ancient times where there was no recipe. It was all trial and error. They make the meal. <coughs> Everybody said that. Remember the time when the... Uh, Elijah and the prophets go out, they want to build a bigger place, so they go out there clearing land. And uh, <clears throat> Elijah comes to town, they say, put on a pot of stew. And so they all go out and they grab uh, uh, these herbs from the field. And one grabbed some herbs, he didn't really know what they were, but he put them in the pot. And they begin to cook this stew, and when it's time, it smells great. And now it's time to eat. They pour it out into the bowls. And the one he tasted. And he said, oh my God, there's death in the pot. 
There was something in there that should not have been there. And that's the way man lives his life. There's death in the pot because we've got our own recipe. So let's talk then about the right mixture. The right mixture. Life is a mixture of different things. And if you don't have the right portion, you can have the right ingredients, but if you've got them in the wrong portion, it's just as disastrous. The Bible says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. We have to live a balance. Like, you know, one man said some people are so earthly minded, are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. In other words, you know, they're just floating on the air. They're not caring about anything. No, no, we have to be balanced. We have to have a spiritual life. And we also have to deal with a carnal life. We have to balance those things out. So the right mixture is crucial for a recipe. In our text, it says in verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as to them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed, there's that word, with faith and them that heard it. And so what he's doing, he's referring back to when God brought the people out of Egypt. Remember that? They, got, they come out with Moses. They come out. They're going to the wilderness. But the Bible says, remember, there was a generation that never made it out of the wilderness because they stopped doing the things the way God said do them. They had got delivered and now they're going to make their own recipe. And the Bible says their carcasses fell in the wilderness. And Paul's referring back to that. He says, everybody that came out of Egypt came out in faith. But what happened is, all of a sudden, they begin to mix different things into the recipe. And he says, the gospel, the good news. See, the, the word gospel means good news. They had the gospel preached them in the sense that God was telling them, listen, I've come to deliver you. I'm taking you to the land flowing with milk and honey. That was a great promise from where they were in Egypt eating leeks and garlic. The good news was, hey, you're going to be free. You're going to be, I've got a plan for you, a destiny for your life. That's the gospel, good news. But he says, the good news didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't have, they have a proper mixture in their life, amen. That word mixed, amen, in the Greek um, is sumkrino, sumkrino me, and it means to uh, commingle, to combine or to assimilate or to temper together. It goes on to say to, to unite or combine two or more things so as to reduce <clears throat> to the, the excess of the qualities of either and bring the whole to, to a desired consistency or state. So what he's saying here is as you and I are living for God, we have to mix the word of God with faith in our lives, if we're going to have a proper mecca recipe that's going to produce the life that God has promised us. He told him, I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm taking you to a land flow with milk and honey. You're going to be blessed. But this is going to be a process. It's a recipe involved. And so when, he, when we hear the word of God, 
We have to do more than just hear it. We must take it and mix it into our lives. The scriptures are giving you and I a correct mixture. The word of God is there, it's not going anywhere. But unless you mix it into your life with faith, it's not going to profit you. There are people that go to, to church all of their lives, yet they're never changed. They never get delivered. They never get set free. They never get the victory. And it's not because the gospel doesn't work. It's because they're, they're not putting in the right mixture. They're altering the recipe. See, if you alter the recipe, you may get something, but you won't get what you were supposed to get. Hallelujah. Listen to this, what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The God's Word translation says it this way, Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. So when God brought them out of Egypt, he promised them the promised land. They had this. They came out by faith. God's going to, he's going to take us someplace. But as they got out there, they stopped mixing in faith and they could no longer see the promised land by faith. All they could see was, man, we're tired. We've been eating this stinking manna, you know, for years. Would to God that we could get some cheeseburgers or something out here, amen? Because this manna's getting old. And they lost sight of the promise. Because it's by faith, when you mix that into your life, every day you get up, you say, you know what? I know I'm in the desert, but God's taking me somewhere. I know right now it's a bad experience, but God, he has, a, he has a promised place for me. And as that begins to be your driving force, see, faith mixed in is what gives us the ability to see beyond where we're at. Because sometimes where we're at is not a very pleasant place. Amen. We go through seasons in life. Sometimes we're in a desert season. Sometimes, uh, you know, just life stinks. But that doesn't mean that God's promise doesn't exist. But if you don't mix the word of God with faith, you lose sight of the promise. Remember what the people said in the wilderness? When things got tough? They said, Moses! Say, hey, somebody call that preacher up here, Moses! Listen! Would the God you'd have left us in Egypt and died there, but you brought us out here to perish in the wilderness. Oh, we wish we were back in Egypt eating leeks and garlic. These are people who did not properly mix faith with the word of God. And they could no longer see beyond their circumstance of the moment. I mean, our circumstances are not final. They are just a season that we're going through. No matter what season of life we find ourselves in, if we, we cannot fall for the temptation to change the recipe. You cannot allow the devil to convince you to change the recipe. The devil will say, hey, listen, 
I know God said you're supposed to put in a half a cup of the, but listen, you can put in a quarter cup and just save it. I mean, you'll be fine. Who's going to know the difference? And people begin to change the ingredients around in the recipe, and then when it blows up, it's God's fault. Lord, why did you do God? How? No, no, no. You changed the recipe, friend. You're tampering with something uh, that you shouldn't be tampering with. <clears throat> Some change the recipe because of the heat of adversity. Remember Peter? He's there in the palace. Jesus is being uh, interrogated. Uh, and uh, Peter's there. He's warming his hands on the fire. And one of the women comes, hey, weren't you with that Jesus got a guy from Galilee? He said, no, nah, I was you know, I don't know what you're talking about. He's still warming. Another one comes, yeah, surely. Uh, you, you were with them. Your speech gives you away. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. It comes out again. No, we know you were with them. And Peter says, hey, I don't know that guy. And the Bible says he begins to curse. And the heat of adversity, he begins to change the ingredients in the recipe of life. We have to be careful. We don't let the devil convince us to change the recipe. Hey, Peter, don't worry, man. It's, it's, just skip on this ingredient. It'll be all right. Some change the recipe at the height of blessing. How many know God's a blesser? He really is. And he wants to bless us. He will bless us. But remember, Jesus told the parable about the man who had plenty. And uh, he says, uh, the man says to himself, Self, you've got plenty of goods to store up for, you're all set. What I'm going to do is I'm going to build bigger barns to house all of my stuff and I'm going to take ease. And so God had blessed this man, not just for himself, but no doubt for others. But instead of him releasing that and blessing of the people, he hoards it up to himself. He changes the dynamics of the recipe. See, sometimes people get blessed and they forget to who blessed them. They begin to use it all for self, amen. This is changing the recipe because our God is not a selfish God. Can you say amen? He's not selfish. Hallelujah. John the Baptist understood the dynamic of the, of the ingredient of life. John comes on the scene. He begins. He's the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he points out the Lamb of God. And so after John had baptized Jesus, that big scenario that went on there, a few days later, his, John's disciples come to him and say, Hey, John. Remember that guy that you baptized there at the river, man? You know, that big scene? Well, you know what? He's baptizing people and everybody's going to him. And so here's the devil trying to put it on John, amen? A little, little pride. Hey, John, I thought you were the big shot. Now this guy, he's pulling, he's pulling from you, man. You, you got a few people, he got a bunch. But John understood, no matter what's happening, no matter how I'm feeling, you don't change the recipe. And look at what he says in John 3 verse 30. Talking about Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, he said, listen, I know the mixture. 
I know the proper ingredients and the proper amount that I need to have in life to have victory. Amen. And so Jesus must increase and we must decrease. But how many know most people have that backwards? Amen. Jesus decreases in their lives and they increase and then they wonder why their life has a bitter taste. Why the recipe doesn't look like the like what's in the book. Amen. Where's the abundant life? Where's the good life? Well, you've changed the recipe, friend. And John says, I'm not going to change it. I understand the dynamics, the portion, and the portions is Jesus must increase in my life and I must decrease. This is the recipe for a good life, for a palatable life, for a desirable life, for a life of victory. This is the result we can expect to happen in our lives if we stick to the recipe. And you think about John the Baptist, right? He goes on from this, and now he's thrown in prison. He's, he's, he's wrongly accused. He's an innocent man. And yet, it comes down to a place where he's actually going to give his life. And John could have said, hey, you know what? I'm going to change the recipe right here. I'm going to deny all that Christian stuff, and I'm going to get myself out of this jam, and, and then I'll, I'll figure out something later. Let's do that. Or just, you go, go back and ask Jesus, is he the one? They come back and they say, here's the message he gave you. Uh, the, the poor have the gospel preached. The dead are raised. The blind are. And John says, this is it. He's the one. And he gives his life. Uh, he doesn't change the recipe at a crucial time in life. Christ in us must increase. And our self-will must decrease. That is the recipe for true Christianity. And the more that happens, the easier life gets. Think about this. When Jesus increases in us and we decrease, life becomes easier. But see, people are tinkering with the ingredients and they're thinking, that, well, I need to have more expression. I No, 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 no. The more of you that's alive, the more difficult life is. <clears throat> the more we diminish and the Christ increases, the easier life gets. It's a revelation that will, hey, listen, it'll bless you. It'll bless you. See, Western Christianity, Americans, you know, hey man, I got my rights, I got my, we don't understand the uh, kingdom dynamic. Yeah, you got your rights, you can change the recipe anytime you want to, but don't complain about the end result. Hallelujah. Paul writes these words in Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul is saying, I've had, as you read Paul's life, difficult times. But he's saying, I have not given into the temptation to change the recipe. And because of that, he says, now my flesh is crucified. In other words, I have been diminished. 
the Paul, the carnal me has been diminished. Christ has been increased. And he says, it is now I'm living now by the spirit of God in me. I'm living my life by Jesus Christ. He has now increased to the point where all of my decisions are based on him and what he desires. This is the proper recipe in life. So Paul is saying, because I've stuck to the recipe in all the seasons of my life. When I was being stoned, I didn't give up. When my own countrymen were betraying me, I didn't give up. When I was building the fire and got bit by a snake, I didn't curse God. When all these things were going wrong, I kept the recipe right. And because of that, I have a dominion that's not because of who I am, but because who I've allowed to increase in my life. My carnal desires no longer have dominion because the Holy Spirit has increased in me. Every recipe has a finished result. Whatever you, listen, the recipe you're making, you, it's going to produce something in the end. You know, you, you're going to put it in the oven and something is going to transpire. So what is the finished result of God's recipe? Let's look finally at entering into God's rest. In our text, in verse 2 again, it says... <clears throat> A promise being left to us of entering in to his rest. Amen. That word rest in the Greek means to repose or to lay down. It means to abode. It goes on to say in Thayer's definitions, a putting to rest, a calming of the winds. Metaphorically, it talks about the heavenly blessedness in which God dwells. And of which he has promised to make preserving believers and Christ partakers after the toils and trials of life on earth are ended. And this is the thought behind that word rest, the promise of rest. Not just we can lay down and get a good night's sleep. Thank God for that. But we're talking about a much more powerful and eternal rest. In the presence of God, to repose, to abode, to stay there. This is a dynamic that you're going to receive. This is the end result of the recipe found in the Word of God. Hallelujah. See, in eternity, you and I are going to have the end result of our recipe. When we cross the line into eternity, whatever you've been baking is going to be served to you. <laughs> we're still across the line of eternity and uh, here eat this wait wait a minute that, that's a bunch of garbage yeah but it's what you've been it's your recipe it's what you've been making it's the ingredients that you, you threw in your life this is what it produced so the Christian the believer who has not tampered with the recipe who has not skimped on the ingredients, who have not substituted, amen, margarine for butter, amen. He put in the real stuff, they stuck to the recipe, and there's going to be an eternal rest because of what we've done. 
Jesus says these words in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is that word again? Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest. That word again, unto your soul. He's not talking about a physical rest. Thank God for some physical rest. But he's talking about an eternal rest to your soul. There'll be those who go into eternity and their soul will never have rest. It'll be a torment because of the recipe they made in their lives. But here Jesus says, if you come and learn of me. So Jesus begins to give us uh, the, the main ingredients in the recipe he says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, I am meek and lowly of heart. This is the recipe. These are the ingredients that we put into our lives, amen. That we are meek, we are lowly, we are humble. The Bible says if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. It's the people who exalt themselves that God rejects. And so the recipe, Jesus says in the end, because of the way you're living, the recipe you chose to live by, when you step into eternity, your soul is going to say, oh, rest. I finally got spiritual rest. Can you imagine going into eternity and never having rest again? Because that's what a life of sin, that, that the recipe of sin produces an eternal existence of a soul in turmoil, never having rest. But here's Jesus. He says there's rest. There's a man, John Gillespie, John, John Gillespie McGee Jr. He was born in Shanghai, China to missionary parents. McGee's poem, High Flight, was inspired by a high-altitude test flight he took. He sent a copy of the poem to his parents, who published it after his death. The poem was displayed in the Library of Congress in posters with the poem. A portrait of McGee and a sketch of the plane he flew were distributed to British airfields. The poem, High Flight. Oh, I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and danced the skies on laughter's silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed, joined the tumbling mirth of sun-split clouds, and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of, wheeled and soared and swung, high in the sunlit silence, hovering there. I've chased the shouting wind along and flung my eager craft through footless halls of air. Up, up the long, delirious, burning blue, I've topped the wind-swept heights with easy grace. Where never lark or ever eagle flew, and while with silent, lifting mind I've trod, the high, untrespassed sanctity of space put out my hand and touched the face of God. As he's flying in this plane, and he's way up in the blue. What seizes him is, you know what? God. 
God. And he says, I put up my hand and I touch the face of God. And I tell you something tonight, that's going to be reality for those who stick to the recipe. We're going to see the face of God. It's worth reading the recipe. Sticking to the right ingredients. Because in the end, rest unto our souls. Let's bow our heads tonight for just a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed this evening in the house of God. Be at home, watching online. Just bow your heads for a moment also. I want to speak to you tonight about the recipe of your life. What are you cooking? What recipe are you following? The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man or a woman. But the problem is it produces death. Tonight, maybe your recipe is leaving a bad taste in your mouth. It's producing things that you don't want to eat. But the good news is tonight, God has a recipe for you. You'll turn to Jesus Christ and begin to read the recipe of God and apply those ingredients in your life. Beloved, you can find rest to your soul. You can find rest tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. Maybe you're not a Christian, you're not born again. You're watching at home online and you don't know Christ. And your life has a bad taste, has a bad smell. You just want out. Well, the way out is through Jesus. You would say tonight, God, I need a change. I want to begin to use your recipe in my life. I want to begin to put in the ingredients of faith in you. Hallelujah. Maybe you're backsliding tonight. You got tempted and you, you begin to tinker with the recipe and you change something. And now you understand, you know what? I need to get back to the original recipe. And I need God to help me. Lift your hand, put it right back down. Say, I'm not right with God. I'm not a Christian. Or I'm backsliding. I need a miracle. Pray for me. Hallelujah. Talking to the house of God. Now the people of God. See, John the Baptist headed down. He says, Jesus must increase. And I must decrease. That's a recipe for victory. But maybe tonight you say, you know what? I've been increasing. I've been subduing what God wants to do. But tonight, I want to get back to the recipe. I want to put in the right ingredients, in the right portion, in the right amount. And I want to make a right mixture. Because I want the rest that God has promised me. Hallelujah. Let's all stand tonight. The altars are open tonight. You need prayer tonight. You want to talk to the Lord tonight. You come up. You get a hold of Him tonight. Maybe you're watching online tonight at home and you're not saved, but you would like to, you want a different recipe for your life. I want to lead you in a prayer tonight. A prayer of faith tonight. Mix it with faith. God's going to help you. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. God, I acknowledge I've lived outside of your will. But I'm asking you tonight to forgive me. And I receive Jesus Christ your recipe for life into my life I believe he died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and that he rose again to validate my new life thank you Jesus for dying for me giving me a new life and I pray this in faith in Jesus name Amen